Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Previously on Murder on the Space Coast. I'm not that impressed with, you know, his DNA being underneath the the fingernails, given the relationship between the two people. So I I wouldn't rate that very high as far as helping the the case as far as the DNA against Abramowski. Right. Um, I found the other two a little more interesting, um, that the hair was there um, in the blood and that the the sink trap had the sun's DNA in it. They started me out on uh, lower tabs like uh, 750s and into the 10s and then and then eventually I started because I had so much damage done in there it's just it's it still bothers me today and it's been years ago but uh they had me on eventually I got to the oxys and then and then pretty soon it was just it escalated. Now that car accident, that kind of changed everything in right. the life of Jeffrey Charles Abramowski, right? Sure did. I'm John A. Torres, and welcome back to another episode of Murder on the Space Coast, Where Justice Lies. Jeff Abramowski is serving a life sentence in prison for the murder of 78-year-old Dick Crandall. DNA experts for the state say Jeff's DNA was found under Dick's fingernails. Now, they were only able to make a match on two of 14 loci, but the state said it's still significant because they found a very unusual marker on one of those loci, a marker rarely seen in the general population but it showed up in the DNA under Dick's nails, and it also showed up in Jeff's DNA. According to the state, that makes it practically a certainty that it's Jeff's DNA there under Dick's nails. But we also know that the dead man was found clutching a snarl of his girlfriend Judy Foley's hair, and Judy's 33-year-old son, Bruce Foley's blood, was found in a sink trap in the master bathroom. As I told you at the start of this series... This is a story fueled in part by drugs. Both Judy and Bruce were drug addicts, as was Judy's sister, Rita Akeridge, and of course, so was Jeff. And Dick Crandall, while not an addict himself, dealt the drugs. He sold Oxycontin and regularly walked around with pockets full of that drug, as well as another painkiller called Vicodin. Now, Judy Foley and her adult son were living with Dick at his old trailer at Mobile End by the Sea and were planning on moving together to the new trailer just one street over, where he was found murdered by a neighbor on May 20th, 2002. But they never did. Why not? Well, simmering tensions that had reportedly been building for months between Dick and his girlfriend's son were about to come to a head. The two men never got along, and Dick, according to numerous reports, would often belittle Bruce Foley. He would boss him around, talk down to him, and call him names like Hillbilly and Redneck. And that leads us to another significant day in this case, perhaps the most significant other than the murder. 
Mother's Day 2002, eight days before Dick Crandall is found beaten to death in the new trailer that he planned to share with Judy and Bruce Foley. Here is Dick's neighbor, Eric Sprague, talking to police about what he saw that day. Whenever anyone references Brian, they are really talking about Bruce, who was wanted in Alabama on a warrant, and so he assumed his brother Brian's identity. At 8.30, me, my wife, and kids, we went to church. Okay. We got home about, about noon. We, we go pick up her dad. He's in a nursing home and take him. So we got home about noon. I was outside about 1 o'clock. We all had lunch and stuff. and I was outside sitting on lawn furniture, drinking a beer with my buddy Joe next door and my buddy Pat. With two, two trailers right across from me. Okay. We were outside having a beer. Then my mom called because it was Mother's Day. And I go, hi, Mom, how you doing? We talked for about two, three minutes. My brother was there, too, okay. sitting with us. And uh, I was talking on the phone, and I looked up, and Brian's got hands wrapped around Dick's throat up against his car, choking. Choking Dick against what, the car, you said? Yeah, holding him against the car like this and just choking. What was he saying, you remember? I'm going to fucking kill you, you old man. I ain't listening to you no more. You're not bossing me around. You're not my boss. And it, I can't remember everything that was quite said because sure. it was said so fast. Sure. But... I looked over at Joey, I go, Joey, look. Joey looked, and he was choking Dick, so Joey went over. He let go of Dick and said, what are you going to do, hero? And those two got in a little fight. That's your friend Joey? Well, my next-door neighbor. It escalated, and according to Eric and other neighbors, Bruce tried attacking Dick with a pair of screwdrivers, and then reached for a brick, before finally grabbing a golf club. He swung wildly at Dick. Here's Daryl Stitely, also known as Bubba, who was letting Jeff crash on his couch during that time. So we went over there, over there. we sat around, and they were talking about his son. I had to stick up for Dick, this other guy, I don't know his name, and uh, he was going to beat Dick's ass. I said, well, he's he done the right thing, you know, he's an old guy, you know, he's looking out for old people like that. And so after that, we left there, went back up to his house, we got to his house, he come out, that boy came out of the house with a golf club swinging, I mean swinging. I took the one from him, and he went and asked the guy another one. I took that one from him. Then he said, somebody pulls up, so what's going on? And the lady, she said, he says, you got your gun, you got your gun. To her, no. to that boy. The boy said to her, you got that gun, you got that gun? He fucking run, ran one through a blood box, and I figured he's going to shoot me. I seen that boy reach in the car and knock the shit out of Dick. Yes, I did. Okay, so you get the picture, right? Bruce is really going off on Dick. There was pretty much complete mayhem and chaos by this point. Agent Carlos Reyes of the Brevard County Sheriff's Office wondered why residents, including Eric Sprague, let it go so far. You guys want to say I call the cops? Or, uh... <laughs> hey, the cops already called. Okay. The cops were on the way. They just... Right. This all happened within when, a when were the cops five minute happened? period. When were the cops... All this happened? The screwdriver's break and all, all that? Yeah, all that happened in like five minute period. Okay. Then, he finally he went back up there. Brian did. Went back to the other place. After he, the swung the, place. after he swung the screwdrivers around? Right. Well, he got slapped a couple times, too. That time, because <laughs> Joey's getting sick of his crap. And then, uh, he went up. Judy and Brian went up to the new place. And about two minutes later, Dick drove up with his car. Dick drove back about two minutes later, and Brian punched him in the head. Okay, so Brian and Judy... They left to the new house. Right. And Dick followed. In his car. They walked up. They, they walked in the following car. 
And then what happened there? Well, when Dick got up there, Brian punched him in the face. Did you see that? No. That's what I, I know he had a black eye. I mean, it was black. He still has it. Did he say that Brian punched him? I don't know if you guys saw Dick, but he still got a black eye. And at that time, Brian was standing with what now? Two golf clubs? A whole bag of golf clubs. He grabbed two of them and started swinging at all of it. He threw one at Joey, and he just started swinging. And then... And Dick came out and was like, good, the police are finally here. And as soon okay. as the police made that corner, he went over the wall. Now three three uh, police officers, three cars showed up, and that's when I found out that Brian hit Dick in the face once because he filed a report okay. pressing charges against Brian. So you heard it got pretty ugly. Bruce takes off when police arrive. Dick is sporting a bruised eye, and there were no shortage of witnesses to this ugly day. All this immediately put Bruce Foley, a.k.a. Brian, atop the suspect list when Dick was found bludgeoned to death a week later. Now, we know Dick was the candy man selling Oxycontin to supplement his income. We know that he belittled Bruce and was on his ass quite a bit. Well, according to a Joyce Young and her boyfriend, Roy Ross, who would work on the trailers that Dick bought and sold, there was an even bigger reason for the growing tension between Dick and Bruce Foley. See, Young and her boyfriend were at the nearby Chevron station on Mother's Day when Bruce Foley came running down from the trailer park to avoid the police. First seeing Brian or Bruce or whatever he is at the Chevron station when we were walking to the Chevron and supposedly he had just gotten beat up out here at this park and had walked all the way down there and asked for a ride. We got to the house, he did, he talked, he said he had sold Dick's drugs. Uh, whatever pills he takes, Oxycontin, Percocet, or whatever. And they had been drinking, and they got in a fight, and Dick had somebody beat him up, and that he had to leave. So he wanted us to take him to his mom's sister's. And as we were leaving out, he seen a red cart to Chevron and had to turn around and come back. And, and we dropped him off. Okay. What type of drugs did he say he stole from uh, Dick? Uh, Oxycontin and Percocet, I think, or something like that. Or Percodils, or uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But I've just heard him saying he stole that. Okay. And that he had him hid in his mom or sister's aunt's trunk. And that he was going to leave and go to Alabama. The red car was his aunt. Rita Akeridge's Pontiac Sunfire, the one where Bruce allegedly stashed the stolen drugs. Young's boyfriend, Roy Ross, confirmed the story to police. And remember, when he says Brian, he really means Bruce. Now, Brian stole, and he also told me, he stole 150 Oxycontin, 100 and some uh, Valiums and some Percocets. I think maybe... 20, 30 volumes and some Percocets that he stole and put in his aunt's car the day that they got in the competition, Mother's Day. Okay, so um, Bruce told you that he took what now? From, uh, from He took this from Dick? Right, he okay. took his bottle of Oxycontin and had 150 uh, bottles, 150 in because he tried to sell me something, I, I don't buy them, so. 150. 
and that's what he said. He had 150. He had about 20, 30 volumes, and he had Percocets. Uh, I don't remember how many he said, but he was talking. He got uh, like $1,400 or something like that worth of uh, oxycotton. You reckon that's what him and uh, Dick were fighting about? Uh, well, I don't know what they were fighting about. But what I heard they were fighting about was Dick was calling him a bunch of names, Redneck or yeah, Alabama Redneck or uh, stuff like that, and was uh, teasing the boy. Because when I say boy, he acts like he's like... 15, 16 years old, he don't act like he has a brain in his head and he don't act like a man. And uh, he's 33 years old from what I was told. When did Bruce tell you that he took this stuff? Um, during the ride Sunday when you gave him a ride or something or what? Yeah, when he came, he came over, he walked, he walked up to the store and then he walked from the store to our car and that's when he told us this. Roy didn't end up driving Bruce home because his aunt Rita Acreage and his mother Judy Foley showed up in Rita's car. Bruce, Rita, and Judy would spend the next week in Indian Harbor Beach and, depending on who you believe, would only see Dick alive again one more time when Dick allegedly went to Rita's apartment and threatened to kill her dog and mail it back to her in pieces. See, apparently Rita owed Dick a good sum of money as well. Here's Roy again, the guy who worked for Dick occasionally. He's talking to one of the investigators and, just to warn you, there are some long pauses as detectives take all this new information in. His, uh, he was with his, his ex-girlfriend is his sister's, or his girlfriend's sister. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and his ex-girlfriend owes him $5,000, and she was mad at him also, because he was trying to collect the 5000 bucks because they borrowed money to buy a car from him. Said Dick's ex-girlfriend owed him five thousand dollars. Yeah, she owed him five thousand dollars. Now this is what he told me. You know her name? Uh, nope. All I know is it's Brian or Bruce's aunt, and I just seen her briefly once in my life, and that was at that gas station or the convenience store. Now, so what you're saying is that you know a Dick's girlfriend whose name is Judy. Correct. As as uh, Bruce's mother. Correct. Okay. And Bruce's sister, I mean uh, Judy's sister, is the ex-girlfriend of Dick also. Correct. Yes. Uh, so Dick was dating Judy and this other lady. Right. And the other lady owed him five thousand dollars. Correct. Okay. And she also uh, Dick Dick told me that she spent like twenty five thousand dollars on pills. In just the last year alone. Who spent five thousand dollars? Twenty-five thousand. Twenty-five thousand. Uh, Dick's ex-girlfriend. Dick told me his ex-girlfriend, which is Judy's sister, mm -hmm. spent twenty-five thousand last year in buying drugs. So during the best of times, Bruce and Dick didn't have the best relationship. And now we're hearing Bruce might have stolen from Dick. And on Mother's Day, it all boils over, and Bruce attacks Dick. He escapes thanks to his aunt, who is Dick's ex and apparently owes him quite a big sum of money herself. 
And now listen to this. Here are Brevard County homicide agents questioning William Staples, Rita's boyfriend, about the relationship between Dick and Bruce. There's been some rumor about Bruce. Um, and possibly Bruce and Courtney or Dick uh-huh. having some kind of relationship as well. You heard anything Relationship like about what, no. A homosexual relationship. Oh, no, I've never heard that. Okay. Absolutely not. I know that uh, Bruce, while, when he moved in with Dick, was helping Dick. Dick made him work for his stay. He didn't when he was with Rita. Bruce would just hang around like a bomb. Right. And he wouldn't go to work, he wouldn't do nothing. So when Rita kicked him out, Dick says, you can stay, but you want to work your way. You're not going to just stay here for nothing. So Dick, with these four additional trailers, put him to work. Okay. Gave him five bucks an hour, I was told initially. Then later he get, gave him uh, ten bucks an hour to help him fix up those trailers and resell them. What was the, you know what the falling out was between Dick and Bruce? From what I was told that Bruce had borrowed some money from Dick, everything it seems around Dick is somebody owes him something okay. and they can't get it back. And I guess Bruce had gotten some drugs from Dick and he owed him for the drugs and he hadn't paid him back. And these were just things that were starting to, to churn. So we have stolen drugs, owed money, a violent confrontation that left Dick with a black eye, and we have Bruce fleeing from police. We have Judy, Bruce, and Rita riding out the storm in Rita's apartment that week. There is no mention of Jeff Abramowski yet. Now, depending on who you believe, because everyone has their own version of what happened, Judy, Bruce, and Rita make plans that week to leave town and go back to Alabama. The reasons vary depending on who's talking. One reason was so that Rita could go and visit her dead son's grave. Another reason was for Bruce to go and turn himself into Alabama authorities. Remember, he had an arrest warrant. Rita and Judy would tell police that the trip to Alabama was being planned for weeks. Here is Rita's boyfriend, William Staples, talking about the planned trip. When is the first you heard about them planning to go to Alabama? Well, Rita Rita herself had talked about it for a long time, that she would like to go back to Alabama. Mm -hmm. But uh, it started when right after the fight, and Dick was going to pay for uh, Bruce to go back to Alabama, was going to put him on the bus. And then they started discussing that maybe they could all go back and and Rita could put flowers on him. Scott's grave, which is her son, that had committed suicide years prior. Okay. Hmm. But here is Rita telling agents in Alabama that she didn't want to make the trip. The audio is not great, so you may not get all of it. But you'll hear the most important part. She says Bruce just wanted to be done running. He wanted to turn himself in. And Rita, she was just tired of it all. Not to mention, she claims she had been sick. Let's listen. And that just killed me about this trip. I didn't want to come on this trip. Why not put Bruce on the bus? We were going so to it's easier when you come up here. I know. I, I, I'm tired. I'm, I was sick when I left. I, you know, I had the blue. I'm sick. That's one. I usually drive it straight through. I was sick. I stopped. But we were going to try to get, get his life turned around. He's going to talk to his probation officer. That's the only reason we came. The only reason. He was tired of running. You can't run forever. And we tied he was going to get the Greyhound bus. Dick was going to buy the Greyhound bus, and Dick said he would take him. And then, in the same conversation, here she is telling homicide agents the plans to travel to Alabama were made that week, the week between the violent confrontation on Mother's Day and when Dick Crandall was found dead. Bruce, had t- Bruce got packed all his clothes up that Mother's Day and came to live with me. He was going to stay with me. 
and I told him, I said, Rick, why don't you go back to Alabama and turn yourself in and quit running? Because now you've got warrants down here in Florida. I mean, you can't live here because I can get in trouble for, for keeping him there. So why does it matter when or how or even why the idea arose to flee town? Well, we'll get to that. But one thing is certain. They wanted to get out of town. They wanted to get away from Dick. Why? Well, here's Rita again talking with police in Alabama one day after Dick Crandall was found beaten to death about the kind of person that Dick Crandall was. This man would kill you in a heartbeat and eat a steak in front of you laying there dead, dying, I mean, bleeding. This this is how cold-hearted this man is. He had all kind of enemies. If anybody would have killed him. So Dick was mean and anyone would have killed him. And after Mother's Day, Dick's girlfriend Judy and her son Bruce and Rita, Judy's sister and also Dick's ex, had reason to believe they weren't exactly at the top of Dick's Christmas list. But was there any reason to fear him? Well, according to Rita's boyfriend, William Staples, there was, and she did. Apparently, according to Staples and others, Dick drove to Rita's apartment that Friday night before he was murdered. And here's what happened. Do you know anything about um, Dick coming over there to Rita's apartment on Thursday night? Friday night. Friday night? Friday night before she left. He was there. I was there about, uh, again, about 6.30. Okay. I, I pulled out and, and I heard some screaming from across the street. I was going back to work. And, and uh, Bruce was outside. And I, and I looked in my rearview mirror and there was Dick standing over by his van screaming across the road. Well, I just left. I didn't want nothing to do with it. So later on, when I was at work, I called back and I talked to Rita. And I said, Rita, be careful. Dick is, was over there. Is everything okay? And she said, well, I had to call, to call the cops because he was screaming at me and calling me names. I want you to remember what you just heard him tell police. Rita's boyfriend, William Staples, said Dick showed up at Rita's apartment on Friday and made a scene. It sounds like Dick was not happy and there hadn't been any reconciliation since that Mother's Day fight. It's important that you remember that. Now, according to William Staples, that behavior was not unusual. He even told police that he kept a notebook where he would record Dick's bad behavior. A quick note, the references to Anchorage that you're about to hear are not Alaska, but a marina in Indian Harbor Beach, Florida. Uh, He uh, stopped me one time where from Anchorage, he followed me up Ogallic Boulevard, and I took him over to the Melbourne Police Station where they recorded and I watched him. There is a police report on it. There is a police report on that incident. Do you have any other times where the police was called because of some behavior he was doing? Uh, There's been at least a couple, maybe three times, but the latest one that uh, was Friday night uh, prior to reading them leaving. And apparently others feared him as well. Here is Bruce Foley talking to police from an Alabama jail. Remember, his family says he went there to turn himself in on old charges. But according to Brevard Sheriff Records... A call was made to authorities in Bessemer, Alabama, to be on the lookout for Rita's red Pontiac. Bruce was arrested and being held when he spoke to Brevard agents about Dick and whether or not he would accept the old man's help in making it back to Alabama. The audio is not great at the start of this, but you'll hear what he says about being afraid of Dick. But first, investigators try and figure out when Bruce last saw Dick. Remember, Bruce lived with his mother and Dick for a while, had the nasty Mother's Day confrontation with him, and it was his blood found in Dick's master bathroom sink. One bathroom saw Dick. Uh, 
Sunday. That Sunday. Thursday? Yeah. Never saw him again. I talked with him. I talked to him on the phone. When? During that week, Thursday or Friday, he was going to take me back to Alabama. How did he do it? Because I didn't trust him. Because I, I didn't trust him. I didn't know he'd get somebody to beat me up or he'd take me off and kill me, man. You just have to know the man. Dick and my mother were supposed to take me Saturday. Okay. But my aunt told me that, that Dick might go hire some black people to take me off and beat me up. Or, Hurt me, so that's why I didn't. Okay, so I didn't have to go with him. Exactly. You catch that? He was afraid Dick would hire people to hurt or kill him. I mean, that was an honest fear. Now, it's interesting to hear how much luggage Bruce took with him to go turn himself in and serve time in jail. I'm not sure anyone really shows up to jail with suitcases packed. Why take two suitcases? To me, that looks like you're running away from Florida. He's got it well in Florida. No, he doesn't. Well, Dick said he did. He doesn't. Dick never put a warrant for him. Why would Dick tell, tell him he said he had a warrant for him? He doesn't. Well, that's why he left. He was scared today. But he's going to jail no matter what. I know. That's why he said he was tired of running. He didn't want to run anymore. He was tired of running. It gets weirder. And like I said early on, you're not really sure who or what to believe because everyone lies in this case at one point or another. But I don't think anything is as weird as Judy Foley's reaction to police when they inform her in Alabama that her boyfriend, Dick Crandall, is dead. You know what happened to Dick? Something's wrong. What? Dick's dead. Oh, 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 dear God. Oh, 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 well, that's not good, Dick. Just stay here. <laughs> no, God, that wasn't done. That's all right. No, no. When did he die? Well, that's what we're trying to find out. Oh, dear God. My son ain't got nothing to do with that. My son, I swear we have my I know. That's not the clearest audio we have, so in case you didn't catch that, the first thing she says is that her son had nothing to do with it. She says that a few times, and then she says he, meaning Dick Randall, the dead man, left everything to her, his cars, his trailer, his money, etc. Uh, uh, let me tell you something, you're going to find this out anyway, he left everything to me. Left everything to you? Did you have a will or what? My name's on everything, my name's on the trailer, we saw the trailer, my name's on the trailer. Like the cars, the trailers? <sighs> Yes, sir. The cars, too? And uh, he's got money. He's still married, but he's just going to leave everything to me because he loves me. I don't know I think it's safe to say that most people would not respond the way she did when just told that their boyfriend, or even their ex-boyfriend, was dead. They didn't even say he was murdered, just that he was dead. There's a lot of screaming and crying on the tape. There are a lot of histrionics. Was it real, or was it for show? If her grief sounds phony and forced to you, then you're not alone. Here is what homicide agent Gary Harrell says on the recorder immediately after Judy Foley leaves the car where she was being interviewed. And for the record, 
the entire time that she cried and screamed. There was never any tears and seemed to be suspicious to us. We'll stop the tape and continue on with Rita. Speaking of Rita, and now remember, this is Judy's sister who dated Dick much earlier. Her first reaction when being told by homicide agents that Dick was dead was, well, pretty much exactly the same as her sister's. You were describing him earlier when, I, when, when you first learned that he was dead. The very first thing that you said to me is that my nephew didn't do it. Yes, the only reason I said that is because everybody, a lot of people threatened, threatened him. You know, it, it, just threatened him. That doesn't mean that, that you're going to do it. I mean, everybody he knew threatened him. Well, did uh, your nephew for threaten you? Yes, sir. Your nephew's name? Uh, Bruce, Michael Bruce Foley. You've heard me mention several times how everyone lies in this tale. Next episode, you will hear about the strangest road trip ever and how somehow this non-alibi actually dooms Jeff Abramowski. Next time on Murder on the Space Coast. Judy, we talked for a couple minutes off tape and you told me that uh, you left Florida on uh, Friday or Saturday morning about 1 a.m. Correct. Are you sure of the date? Yes, sir. The day that you left to come here, what day was that? Um, it was Friday night, early. It was, it was about, it was late. It was about 11, 11.30 when we left. Because I remember, Friday. I think it was Friday. Uh, you said you left Friday night. Tell me about that drive up here. Uh, let's see, they got lost like they always do. Uh, you left, left Friday night. You left what night? Eight or nine. That's all for now. Remember, if you enjoy investigative journalism like this, please help support us by subscribing to Florida Today by going to MurderOnTheSpaceCoast.com. I'm news columnist John A. Torres, and you can follow me on Twitter at John Albert Torres. That's at J-O-H-N-A-L-B-E-R-T-O-R-R-E-S. And follow the podcast at 321Murder. For more information on these cases and web exclusives, please go to MurderOnTheSpaceCoast.com. Murder on the Space Coast is written and narrated by me, John A. Torres. The producer is Rob Landers, and the editor is Mara Bellaby. Thanks for listening to Murder on the Space Coast, brought to you by Florida Today, a part of the USA Today Network.